This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at Dr-History.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Howdy, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. Now, we're going to head to Arizona, a place called Fort Grant, Arizona Territory, Saturday, May 23rd, 1896. A young man by the name of Edgar Rice Burroughs, age 20, arrived to begin a rough 10-month tour of duty with the U.S. 7th Cavalry. He was a graduate of Michigan Military Academy. Burroughs had recently failed the entrance exam to West Point. Now, I know you've heard of Edgar Rice Burroughs being the author of Tarzan. So we're going to talk about his history a little bit. So he was optimistic, which led him to believe that a commission might still be attained from the ranks. He enlisted at Detroit with consent of his father. Now, his father was actually a former Civil War major by the name of George Tyler Burroughs. Now, Edgar was actually underage and uh, had now achieved his desire to be sent to what he called, quote, the worst post in the United States. At Fort Grant, his high hopes for rapid advancement uh, would soon kind of be crushed. Didn't quite go the way he thought. Now, unknown to Burroughs, this area actually concealed a living legend, the Apache Kid. Now, Apache Kid roamed ghost-like through the remote mountains. Uh, He actually had a $5,000 bounty on his head on both sides of the border, in Mexico and in uh, the United States. Now, Edgar Rice Burroughs, whose own legend was still to come, would soon join the hunt for this famous outlaw. Now, this led to his name being attached forever to the Apache Kid saga in his story. Now, Burroughs' Arizona adventure uh, began the previous day in the roughneck town of Wilcox. He arrived by rail with $1 in his pocket. He had missed the daily mail and passenger uh, stage to the fort, to Fort Grant. Now, he says, quote, quote, terribly hungry and equally sleepy. Anyway, he found a room at uh, probably what they would call the Wilcox Hotel. However, not the best place uh, because of bed bugs. Burroughs kind of abandoned his bed and spent most of the first night uh, in Arizona perched uncomfortably on the hotel's front porch. Now, the following morning, Burroughs boarded the stagecoach for Fort Grant. Now, here's something interesting, possibly driven by Warren Earp, not Wyatt Earp. Now, decades later, uh, Edgar recalled of this trip, quote, 
There were many other passengers, but only one whom I remember, a painted lady from the Hog Ranch. And we'll get that, to that a little later. Uh, the Hog Ranch, Hog Ranch was three miles from the post. She was not very old, but she was motherly and kind-hearted. She dropped, uh, we dropped her off at the Hog Ranch, and I never saw her again, he said. One can only wonder if this, quote, painted lady might have given some encouraging words to this new recruit who was headed to his first duty station, and her kind impression kind of stayed with Edgar for the rest of his life. Now, sworn in and assigned to Troop B, U.S. 7th Cavalry, under command of a First Lieutenant Tommy Tompkins. Well, Private Burroughs now began his training and his indoctrination. An accomplished horseman, he easily adapted to the mounted cavalry drills, uh, saber exercises. He quickly mastered that as well. Burroughs soon became kind of disenchanted with uh, the lot of junior enlisted men at Fort Grant, whose chief, chief duties amounted to what he referred to as ditch digging and, quote, boulevard building. I'm not quite sure what that meant, but anyway, this led to some bad feelings for the post-commanding officer, a Colonel Edwin Sumner, Jr. Now, of his commanding officer, Burroughs recalled, quote, Sumner was a very fat man who conducted regimental maneuvers from an army ambulance. It required nothing short of a derrick to hoist him onto a horse. He was then and is now my idea of the ultimate zero in cavalry officers. Burroughs noticed uh, there was a lot of tension between a lot of the officers and the enlisted men. Well, he, he laid all the blame for the low troop morale squarely on the post commander's shoulders. And as you can tell, he didn't think too much of, uh, of this guy, this Colonel Sumner. Anyway, in contrast, Burroughs had great respect for the Buffalo soldiers that he intercepted with. A couple of companies of the 24th Infantry, a colored regiment, were uh, stationed there at Fort Grant at the time I was there, he said. They were wonderful soldiers and as hard nails, hard as nails. On several occasions, he said, I worked under colored sergeants, and without exception, they were excellent men who took no advantage of their authority over us, and on the whole, were better to work under than our white sergeants. Kind of an interesting take there. Anyway, situated near the southwestern slopes of the uh, lofty, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Pinalino Range, Fort Grant was proud of their comfortable living quarters. They had a well-stocked commissary, even an artificial lake near the officer's housing. Now, for relaxation, the soldiers could patronize the post canteen. Beyond that, uh, there was a few, a little collection of saloons, dance halls, and gambling dens in the nearby town of Bonita. And come payday, a lonely tripper, trooper might visit the local uh, place of, I referred to earlier as a hog ranch, and you can kind of guess maybe at this point what uh, that entailed. Now, fortunately, the future author of Tarzan and another book, John Carter of Mars, preferred to uh, spend his time being creative. Now, Burroughs enjoyed sketching scenes of post-life, jotting down notes and impressions and writing letters to home. Now, these creative efforts combined with some really vivid memories later inspired Burroughs to write two insightful novels of the Apache Wars, one called The War Chief, 1927, another one called Apache Devil, 
1933. Well, with the arrival of summer, there were electrical storms, and Burroughs noted that, quote, the drinking water became impossible because of the rain, and I presently achieved dysentery. You can just only imagine how bad that was. Well, he soon landed in the, in the post-hospital where his sufferings continued under the care of a pair of uh, drunken medical officers and an abusive hospital steward. Anyway, Burroughs recalled, he said, quote, I was so weak that I could scarcely stand and they would not give me anything to eat but castor oil. He recalled being punished severely for attempting to devour an unauthorized crust of toast. So you can tell he wasn't too fond of that hospital. He later wrote that, quote, The most disagreeable part of my service at Fort Grant were my various contacts with the medical department. Now, I've done stories on medical uh, uh, doctors in the cavalry, and a lot of them were very, very good and uh, did their very best. Well, relief came in in a call to duty. Burroughs remembered there was a lot of excitement at Fort Grant. The Apaches were corralled at another post not far distance, a place called the San Carlos Reservation. And there were constant rumors of another uprising similar to those led by the old Geronimo. So the Apache kid and his band of renegades, they were given trouble in the south. They were, he said we were always expecting what they call boots and saddles and praying for it. In other words, boots and saddles, they were hoping to be called up and sent out on an on a, uh, errand to you know, round up the Apache kid. Now, as Burroughs later recalled, a man and his daughter had been murdered on what they called the Sol- Solomonville Trail, and the Apache kid's band were presumed to be the ones who did it. Well, in late August, B Troop was ordered out on scout to hunt for the Apache kid. Now, keep in mind, still suffering with dysentery, just imagine, Burroughs pleaded his way out of the hospital in order to ride with his troop. He just wanted to get out of that hospital. Anyway, the journey followed a wagon trail or shortcut over to a place called Mount Graham. Now, this became kind of a bad ordeal for Burroughs, who was literally falling out of his saddle most of the way. In fact, he says, quote, All during this march, I was carrying 14 pounds of ammunition and weapons around my waist, a weight which did not greatly alleviate the intense abdominal pain I was suffering. Just imagine, folks, uh, being out there on a horse and dysentery. Okay. Anyway, in the field uh, several weeks, B Troop was at times split into two-man patrols, and they would be sent out in different directions. Years later, Burroughs observed, quote, As I look at it now, we were just bait. He figured they were just uh, trying to lure the Apache kid close in. Anyway, in his memoirs, Burroughs recounted an interesting observation about B Troop's Apache scouts. Here's what he says, quote, we went into camp on the Gila River, not far from Duncan, Arizona. We camped in a grove of large cottonwoods beneath a low cliff. Our Apache scouts camped at a little distance from us and nearer the cliff. At night, sometimes we heard owls hooting at the top of the cliff, and the call would be answered from the camp of our scouts. Now, that sounds a little suspicious, doesn't it? Well, the old-timer said that the renegades were communicating with our scouts, and it was thus that they kept in touch with the movements of the troop. So the Apaches actually were afraid of owls. Above all creatures, they believed them to be uh, embodied spirits of dead relatives. 
So it is unlikely, unlikely that any Apache would communicate in this fashion. So uh, we're not, not sure about that. Anyway, Burroughs' idea is far more revealing in what he says about the older soldiers' suspicions and distrust of the loyalties of the Apache scouts. Of Apache women, Burroughs observed this. He said, quote, a never-ending source of interest to me were the Apache scouts and their families. He says, we saw little or nothing of their women, though several that I did see among the younger ones were really beautiful. He says their figures and carriages were magnificent, and the utter contempt in which they held the white soldier was illuminating, to say the least. Now, that's his words. Well, B Troop never encountered the Apache Kid or his band, but Burroughs found an important part of himself on the backbone of what they call Big Seated Mountain, and that's the Apache name for Mount Graham, which is near where they were. So, consider this, folks. He was still sick, as he was. He probably should have remained at the fort, but he had done so, had he done so, he would have regretted the choice uh, for the rest of his life. Now, here's another thing. Diagnosed with a heart condition, which made receiving a commission in the military impossible, Burroughs was finally discharged from the Army March 23, 1897. Now, the Lieutenant Tommy Tompkins, uh, whom Burroughs greatly admired, gave him an excellent character rating. So Burroughs' legacy of frontier soldiering lives on in his two well-written Apache war novels written nearly a 100 years ago or more. Anyway, within their pages, Geronimo, Cochise, and Victorio, uh, they live along, uh, live along in his, his writings, along with uh, the Black Bear and his beloved, uh, and I'm going to try to say this Indian word, ish k Sibake, uh, medicine man, Another one, Nike Do Cluny. Okay, I probably slaughtered that, sorry. And others. But anyway, painstakingly researched and written from the heart and presented from the Apache point of view, The War Chief and The Apache Devil, the two books, contain all the love, the hatred of human existence that's caught in war. So this gives you a background of Edgar Rice Burroughs and how he came to write Tarzan. And probably a lot of us didn't realize how much he had done with the Indians and written about the Indians. Now, folks, I do live right here in southern Idaho near the Snake River. Uh, There are a number of islands in the Snake River that are a result of gold dredging in the river. Now, one of the companies that dredged gold here in the river was the Sweetser and Burroughs Company, and they worked on the Snake River in 1902. Now, when I say Sweetser and Burroughs, there's some thought that this Burroughs may have been Edgar Rice's brother or a relative of some kind. But Edgar Rice Burroughs worked on the dredge for a while, uh, lived in southern Idaho around here in Sun Valley, Ketchum, Pocatello, for a few years before finally finally making his way to California, where he began his now-famous writing career, and, of course, which you know, Tarzan. So that gives you a little background, and I, over the years, I found it interesting that Edgar Rice Burroughs actually lived right here where I live and saw the same river that I see, and, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting about Edgar Rice Burroughs, and we might want to take a look at some of his other writings besides just Tarzan. So I hope you enjoyed this story about uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and that's all for now, folks.